This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully and this is what we got coming up today. Why always Brum? We delve straight into exactly what goes wrong when we play at Birmingham City and all the other talking points that come from St Andrews on Saturday. We also then go over West Brom at home and we also look a little ahead to Stoke City away two massive, massive games if we consider ourselves playoff contenders. Um, Before we get into any of that, I am here today with a full house. I'm here with Stephen Day, Jamie Castle and Dylan Bundia. First of all, Stephen, how are you getting on and how's the new new tattoo settling down? It's, yeah, I'm I'm all right. And the new tattoo is, uh, or my first tattoo is, it's a teeny bit painful, but it's not too bad. I can't believe you didn't get Nathan Jones's his face all over your body. I can't. I'm not, believe- I'm not Luke Bataro. <laughs> this, well, this isn't Owen the Town. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. I forgot which which channel we were on. Jamie, how are you getting on, mate? <laughs> yeah, all, all good, mate. A, a bit lost with no midweek football for Luton, but but otherwise all good. Good to hear. And Dylan, what about you, mate? Yeah, good mate, good. Obviously Brum wasn't wasn't great, but um but yeah, no, it's, it's been a good week. It's good to see you in a better mood than last week, Dylan, as well. I mean <laughs> I know. the coach it's hasn't nice. let well, well we didn't have a game and that usually helps because it got called off because of waterlogged pitch, but um so yeah, that, that always helps. Um so yeah, a bit fresher this week. Up the rain, up the rain. So we'll, we'll go straight into Birmingham. Um, I mean, looking at it from the off, we, we thought it's a perfect opportunity for revenge. We, we spoke about the, the 5-0, adding extra fuel to, to already the, the promotion charge that, I say promotion charge, playoff charge that's currently going on at Kenilworth Road. But 
ultimately lost 3-0. I guess there's arguments to it, to, to it being probably one of the worst games of the season and Lyle Taylor scored. It, it just didn't really go right, did it? No. Um, just frustr- so frustrating. I mean, what I would say to start off is that it wasn't a 3-0 game. Just like, like straight away, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, okay, I'm not saying that we deserve to get anything from the game, but it wasn't a 3-0 game. So, so that's not overreact on on the scoreline. Um, but yeah, frustrating. I mean, as you said in the intro, Birmingham seemed to have got a number on us at the minute and, and, and Lee, Lee Bowyer as well and Lyle Taylor. It, it seems like that combination just isn't isn't good for Luton Town. Um, but... Yeah, just really frustrating. Uh, f- first 10-15, I thought thought we were decent, um, but then first goal, first goal goes in, absolute shambles, really. Um, and then second half, scoring in the first fifteen seconds, and it's game over. Um, so yeah, I've I've said it about four times, but yeah, f- frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I could quite easily move on because it was just one of those those games that you don't really want to talk about. But we'll we'll get straight into, you know, the start of the game. As you said, we started off on the front foot in terms of individual battles. We we looked to be dominant. We we were turning the defence round. Um, to me, Birmingham looked rubbish at the start, and I know that that's no disrespect to them because of of course they improved, and that was that was key to to the, the development of the game, but. For that twenty minutes, we looked good. We we sort of set out to do. We we played the first twenty minutes exactly how we would have hoped, and you know, winning every second ball and and that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of the lineup as well, it, it seemed to be pretty much where we all wanted it to be in terms of Adebayo and Cornick up top again. In terms of you know the formation, Lansbury in the middle with with Pelly and and Campbell seems to be the the where we thought was best so we can't really have any complaints from that department and, and after the first 20 minutes and then I guess the goal the nature of the goal is very disappointing but it was also you know a pivotal pivotal moment in the game yeah no I think that that first 20 was was good but I think you know Birmingham were, were a team that had one win in 11 with six defeats I think in that um, and they definitely looked like that in the first 20 minutes. But again, it, I think it just shows the fine margins of, of the league and of football in general. Um, you know, you, you switch off once, you make one mistake and and, and we got punished. Um, so fair play to Birmingham because they looked so poor for the first 20, as, as Billy said. Um, but they took their chance. And, and that was that's all that matters in, in football, in the championship especially. Um, so it's really disappointing. And, and I think as well, like in terms of the team, as, as Billy said, it was probably us strongest team that we could have put out and probably minus Sonny Bradley is probably one of our strongest teams that we could put out full stop maybe think about Clark or Berry somewhere in there but you know Lansbury, Pelly and Campbell is strong um, so it was a real shame because we were in amazing form absolutely flying and, and Birmingham uh, were, were, you know have been in terrible form and it looked like that for the first 20 but as we as we found out crazy things happened in, in the championship. And lads, I hope you I hope you've been to you know all the sports shops and everywhere to go and get your tennis balls because if West Brom are on top on Saturday, then we know what we need to do. Just chuck a load of tennis balls on you know the complex of the game will change. Or just whip on a uh, steward's outfit and walk onto the pitch. 
I, I mean, by the way, I just, I just just want to say it's pretty mental how out of proportion people have thrown that that Nathan Jones comment. Right? I mean, did did it, did anyone actually listen to the full interview, or did they just take that ten that ten second snapshot? He said that yeah, it didn't help, but beyond that, we we we, we were awful. So like, come on, come on, guys, like let, let, let's have some context around it. Yeah, I remember like seeing people like overreacting about it, and I was like, but it's like. I didn't even listen to it, but I read like the most of it, and it was like there is context there for it. It's it's just one of those things where Twitter just loves to take a quote and completely take it out of proportion. Um, I, I don't think there was that much of an overreaction, but it was just like it was quite obvious that it wasn't meant in the way that people have taken it, and yeah, like those that incident happened, but he said that it had like nearly no bearing on the actual outcome of the game. Yeah. He didn't really mention it as, as it being, you know, the, the point that changed the game. He, he didn't say that that had a direct impact on, on what actually happened in the rest of the game. He just said from then on sort of the moment, the momentum switched and he, he's not labeling that as, you know, if that wouldn't have happened, we would have won. He, yeah. I get what you all mean. And, and, yeah, and also if, if you actually think about, the way the game played out. I mean, the, the steward come onto the pitch, stopped an attack, a good attack. Eli on the byline with with, with, with people in the box. So it was it was a, a, a good position to be in. And then a couple of minutes later, Birmingham got the, the, the end of the pitch. A, a defensive mishap, and it's one 0 Birmingham. So it, it okay, it didn't have a bearing on the game because beyond that, we had more than enough to get back in the game and get something from it. But it's a pretty big moment in the game. So I think to, to completely disregard what you said is just stupid. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and um, we'll, we'll go on to that first goal. As we said, there defensive mishap. Um, a few names have been been labelled with um, making a mistake in the, in the run up. I think mo- most at fault here has to be James Shea. Um, I don't think the pitchers do him any justice because, of course, I don't think you quite capture the full full moment where the, sort of it, it seems the picture makes it seem that he, he could have easily dived on the ball, but running at full pace that that of course is not true whatsoever but at the same time he, he should have done more and, and it was a disappointing time to concede I guess yeah definitely um and I, I mean I, I would definitely put it on James Shea. I think well, I'm, I'm not I'm not asking him to just jump on the ball but you've got to close the gap between the ball and, and yourself you, you've got to try and close the angle down surely so, so the fact that he sort of half commits, comes out, comes to the ball, hesitates, goes back to his line, then comes out again. It's just, yeah, I mean, I've not watched it back because I, I don't want to relive that that nightmare of a of a sort of memory. But um, yeah, I, I definitely would pull it on James Shea. And that led quite nicely into our first poll from Saturday, and that was whether we would replace Jed uh, replace James Shea, sorry, with Jed Steer for Saturday's game at, uh, against West Brom. 64% went Jed Steer and 36% went James Shea. And I guess it's fine margins here because at the moment, two very competitive goalkeepers going for, for one position. And I guess recency bias perhaps kicks in. Um, but at the same time, Jed Steer is a very good goalkeeper that we're excited to see. So I'll come to you first, Dylan. Where Where are your thoughts on this one? It's a really tricky one because I think James Shea's done really well. Now, of course, he made an error um, on Saturday, 
But I think he's he's done a good job. And when you look at the, his record since he came in to the team, he's done he's done very well. And I know his kicking can be a little bit off sometimes, which is frustrating. Um, so I think if he did come out, it'd be very harsh to pull him out because of one mistake, um, because he's pretty much on the whole been fine. Um, however, I, th I think that's that is the nature of the beast in terms of we've got two really good goalkeepers in our squad. Jed Steer is a very experienced goalkeeper. And if you're going to make an error, then then, you know, maybe you have to change it at the same time, just kind of, I don't know, putting my coaching hat on, you know, it, it, is it is it good to create a kind of environment where if someone makes one mistake, you know, we pull them out, you know, is that conducive to a good performance? You know, I don't know. Um, so I think it would be very harsh on James Shea if we were to change it. But if we have got Jed Steer in the building, you know, we brought him on loan for a reason. We haven't brought him on loan to, to sit on the bench. So we were looking to get him in at some point. So it would make sense. I'm just not sure that 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 dropping people because they make one mistake in a very long run of games is is the way to go, really. I mean, I guess what I would say on that, Dylan, is that I, first of all, on, on Jed Steer, I think ultimately, right, we've brought him in for a reason and we've not brought him in to sit on the bench. And I, I, would, I would be shocked if we if we, if we we ran Jed Steer on deadline day and said, look, Jed, we want to bring you in just as cover for James Shea. He, he wouldn't have come. Like, there's, there's no chance he, he would have come just to sit on the bench at, at us. So I think if, if you don't put him in on the back of what for me was was awful against Birmingham, then you sort of question when do you bring when do you bring him in? And I guess what I would say on James Shea is okay, it was one mistake with regards to Birmingham, but his kicking's not been great for a while. Like he's put out of play for a long time. So okay, he's not he's not made many mistakes with regards to saving, but he's not really done anything for me that has been like out of this world. He's probably made one or two sort of fantastic saves. But other than that, he's not really been been challenged from if from from memory with regards to saves that, that he's had to make. So I, I guess what I wouldn't say is that okay, he's not made many mistakes from a saving perspective, but he's not really had to do much either. So I think for me, absolutely yeah, for, for the poll, I would definitely bring Jed Steer in because you brought him in for a reason. Uh, so now you've got to use him. Otherwise, w w why would we brought Jed Steer in and keep Istad on the bench? Then leave it at that. Yeah, I think I think that's the main point here. Is like we've obviously brought him in. You know, we, we, Jed Steer is a good goalkeeper. If we wanted to bring in a development option, who could cover for James Shea, would have done that. Um, but no, yeah, I think I think we have to bring him in at some point, and it probably makes sense to do it now. It'd be harsh because um, he hasn't done badly, James Shea. But at some point, we we do want to bring Jed Steer in. So yeah, that's that's completely fair. I think. Yeah, definitely a lot of conundrums for for Nathan Jones to solve because as you say I I personally think James Shea's kicking hasn't been as bad as as most of of thought I think in terms of his kicking in terms of his distribution he's been a lot better than he has ever been at Luton I think we've seen an improvement in terms of his distribution still not up to the level perhaps we saw Sluger at but at the same time yeah I do fully agree with Jamie there if we don't bring him in now when will he get afforded a chance? And you know we're we're running out of games. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I guess we want to see enough of Jed Steer because I, I don't know if you boys are in agreement here, but I have him as a, a permanent option in the summer. Should finances not complicate things, if he can go on and, and have an impressive spell, then then I'm sure he has to be an option. Yeah, I can't see why not if he if he comes in soon and. Um as in into the team and 
put us in performances that keeps him in the team, then absolutely why not? Yeah, exactly that. And I guess with Jed Steer as well, as, as Jamie says there, he's not here to sit on the bench. He is a player that has dropped down the division because he knows that he's got that. There's a sniff of a, a first, team, first team opportunity. And I'm, I'm sure if he's afforded that chance, I, I think he's going to keep that for the rest of the season. Bar nothing really goes wrong in terms of his performances and he, he turns out to be a fraud, but I'm sure he won't be. I'm sure he's going to be a fraud. I guess he played very well at Cambridge, so yeah, there's, there's no chance of him, of him being a fraud. 100% no chance. All right, so we'll go on to the second poll of the day again. Um, we've spent a lot of time already talking about Birmingham, but we, we're going to have to keep on talking about it because it is still that fresh. Our second poll was, are we missing Sonny Bradley? And 84% have gone for yes, with 16% going no. And I guess there's two schools of thought here. Um, Lockyer obviously comes in, um, we lose people want Sonny Bradley but at the same time we've also got the option of Osho so I feel in, in terms of the 16% they, they might be um, referring to the option of having Osho back and, and viewing him as, as the, the option they, they prefer out of Osho and Bradley but I, I personally think Bradley is a big miss um, just you know defensively organ, organisational skills leadership skills um defensive ability you know he does have it all perhaps can be tiny a tiny bit slow but you know that hasn't really been a problem with, with, with sort of the, the three at the back we, we play um I, I i'll come to you jamie first in terms of do we miss bradley is he someone that you expect to, to come into the side again very soon and, and remain an integral part should he stay fit yeah definitely i mean he, he's our leader and i think the second goal sums up really i think I mean, I, I don't think Burke or Lockyer did did bad at the at the weekend necessarily, but it, I think it just showed an element of naivety. So I mean, you, you, you've just got to come out second half and just don't make any mistakes for the first five ten minutes. I mean, at all, but obviously the first five ten minutes are so so important. And I think with with Sunny in the middle, that second goal doesn't happen. I I, I think we just keep we just keep our cool, and we we just don't concede that second goal. Um, and I think. When when it's going well, I think Gabe Osho in the middle, fantastic. Locks, uh, Burke and, and Naismith, fantastic. Like, they, they are great players, but I think when the going gets tough, when your back's against the wall, away at a tough place to go to, like, I mean, the Birmingham McKay, they're sort of 18th or so on the table, but they're, they're still a, a tough side to play against. And when you're away from home in that sort of situation, you need someone just to lead from the back. And I think that's what that's what we've missed is that leadership. Um, so Gabe Osho, still worried about him. I, I, I still, as a player, I still love him. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we can get Sunny back in the middle, just to add a bit more of a of a head in, in that back line, it, it, it will help a lot. I guess another key development from the game again was Adebayo and Cornick starting up front. Um... Obviously, it's been been something been been waiting on for a while, but lacked a little bit of fluidity uh, against Barnsley. And I guess we didn't really see too much joy bar that that first twenty minutes with them two up top again. Do you think we can sort of see that that devastating form come to the fray again, or, or do you think that it's going to be you know a, another period of, of trial and different 
um, attacking options and, and seeing where we go from there. Do you still view Adebayo and Cornick as our, our go-to forward partnership? I, I'd i say so. Um, I think they can be as devastating as they was earlier on in the season. It's just, I think Cornick's just m- missing a bit of a match sharpness. I think he's match fit now, but I think he's just got to get back into the groove of of playing championship football because he was out for a while. Um, and they just got to, you know, re reconfigure how they play together. Um, and I mean, I think well, this is the thing. I remember people being confused as why Cornick was brought off against Barnsley later in the game, but I completely understood it because he just, he has had time out and he played a lot of, I think he played like what, that was his third game in the space of a week and a bit. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's, we'll get back to it. It's just a matter of getting Cornick sharp again. Yeah. And just, just on that, I think, um, in terms of Cornick, you know, think back to, to before his injury and basically he always comes off. If he starts the game, he pretty much always comes off 65, 70 minutes because Harry Cornick is someone you don't want running at 80%. You know, Harry Cornick is someone he his game lives and breathes energy. He outruns people, he outchases, and that his game is all about energy levels. So there's no point putting him on for 90 minutes because you know for the last 15 he's going to start to tire. And then you know that the the in terms of him being effective, he loses a bit of effectiveness, and that's fine. Um, and we have options, but yeah, like for me, Adebayo Cornick is our best front two. No sh- no doubt about it in my mind at the minute. Um, and they just, yeah, they just need need minutes. It's a bit like Pelly, you know, when Pelly maybe with Cornick. Cornick's not playing badly at all, by the way. I think it's just, you know, he just needs some sharpness. Just keep, like with Pelly, just keep playing him through, the, get, get him through those minutes and eventually he'll start hitting those levels. And by the way, don't forget, Cornick came off the bench and, and scored the winner against Swansea. So, you know, he's, he's, he's not playing badly. Um, let, you know, let's not forget that. It's just, it's just sharpness and sometimes it doesn't come off and that's fine. That's, that's the championship, that's football. Um, but those two, yeah, they'll they'll fire it. They'll 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 get back to it, um, and and they'll be absolutely fine because they're two. You know, for us to have that front two in the championship is is really exciting. Yeah, and I, I guess for me, I agree completely, Dylan. And I think it, get, it comes to the point now where when you've got a partnership that works so well together, that becomes the number one thing for teams that play off to stop. Right, that that's the thing they're going to focus on is how to stop Elijah and and Cornick and. At times, teams will get that right. Teams tactically will quieten Adebayo and, and Cornet. When, you, when you've got Adebayo, who's fantastic, but still 22, he's going to come unstuck some games. And that's something that we've just got we've just got to get used to. And I think to have a bit of, let's call it recency bias on the back of, of one and a half, two games, when Dylan again said Cornet came on against Swansea and scored. Like It seems like people have just forgotten that. Um, so I think we just need to just chill a little bit. That... Like with chilling a little bit and just realizing that games against Lee Bowyer, Lee Lars Taylor, and Birmingham were just a bit of a write off as well. Sometimes They're just this bogey team, bogey manager, bogey player. Just as as it was said earlier, just not a good mix for us. Yeah, just get those games postponed. Give them the three points. We don't have to travel. Three goals as well. Better than five nil. Yeah, why why didn't we have any COVID cases? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the, the the good part about this is that this is going to be the last conversation topic on Birmingham this season. That 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 is a cause to be excited for, I'm and um, for it's our, 
our third poll, which was what was the main issue on Saturday. And at 24% people have gone complacency, 11% luck, 16% tactics and 49% of people went for individual performances. So I'm guessing so we can move on quite quickly. We're all in agreement with that. Individual performances were probably the, the route and, you know, elements of the other other three probably did play their part. But ultimately, I think it was individual errors at, at wrong times. Yeah. Agreed. I think obviously, I think the answer is a mix of the four, but I think the standout is individuals. I think, I mean, I'm going to say it, a team like Luton, but when we're good, we need all 11 players to be to be at their max. And if four, five, six, seven players are off it, then we we become a bit in trouble. And I think that that was what happened at the weekend. It would have been very nice to have a, a Berry or, or Clark type of player in that opening 20 minutes. I, th- I think if we would have had, you know, that their clever passing intelligence in terms of pressing intelligence in, in terms of winning second balls, I think we, we would have been quite quite comfortable. And then that sort of leads me on to the, the latest news that's come out. Luke Freeman, a, a player that it became apparent that we were very much after on deadline day, is now out injured for the rest of the season. Which I, I guess what? comes as, yeah, is he actually? yeah, he is, he is. Which I guess, what's he done? I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> um, I, I don't. Coming out us with news, but no facts to back it up. <laughs> no, it's just I, I give you headlines. You you can you can <laughs> you can do the rest. I'll give you headlines. That's all I do. But um, yeah, I guess that is it's big news because. We could have quite easily gone to try and match Millwall and, and pay out of our, our, our normal range, given that, that Jones was insistent that he wanted a uh, a midfielder, a left-footed midfielder. And um, I guess the fact that, that Millwall paid the money, obviously were able to afford his wages and a better rate than, than we are. Again, that just shows, especially when we consider Millwall to be one of the, the, one of the teams in the Championship with a lower budget, that that, that just again, shows how brilliant we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's a lot of comments occasionally on social media being, oh, why can't we just stretch occasionally for the odd player? And this, this is why. Can you imagine if we stretched a bit, a little bit outside our mean just for Luke Freeman? Because, oh God, God, because Luke Freeman's a great player for, for, for us and will improve our team. But then, okay, he's now out for the season. So, um, yeah, it's not worth stretching our budget for anyone. Um, so, yeah. An ex- a little bit of an example, not the same situation, but I remember when we were in for, um, I think it was at Sammy Smodich, um, who ended up at Colchester. We, what was it? I think we had him on trial, or we, or we were definitely interested in him, but his injury record just wasn't what we wanted. And I remember, I think it was either Gary, I think Gary Sweet came out and said, we don't want another um, Danny Spiller, Gary Richards situation where we've got players coming in and then they're just earning a wage sitting in the uh, in the physios room. Um, so I, I reckon that probably might have been in a bit of an element for Freeman because he has, uh, I think he is known for injuries. Um, and I think they probably saw it as a risk as well as not worth taking, like not worth stretching the budget for someone that could easily, that could easily happen to. 
Yeah, very good point, as you say. Disappointing for Freeman, disappointing for Millwall, and you, you can only really sympathise for them because I guess Millwall, in that respect, probably have to probably having to pay a, a large enough amount of his wages um, to because Luton, uh, because Nathan Jones pretty much came out and said that he, he proved to be a bit too expensive. Um, one player I do want to mention about is is. Uh, Josh Nerf, uh, uh, Josh Nerfville, obviously a player who has also spent a long time out injured, and um, yeah, just a, a a note that he did, in fact, play in uh, last night's game against Leighton Town. He came on as a substitute, so it's great to see him back on the pitch. Obviously, had a, a injury that that's prevented his progress at Luton Town in in, in recent um, in recent months. I think he's coming on to a year. Um, enjoyed a really really good spell with Yeovil. Made, uh, earned a lot of, of fans from from his time with Yeovil. So, um, of course, a player that that's progress has been halted slightly, but still one as a football club that we're really excited to um, to see progress. Um, we'll, we'll now go on to West Brom at home, and I think. I think when we think of West Brom at the moment, um, a team that is everything we're not, I guess, when you think about them in, in terms of um, the the disgruntled fan base. Uh, I know that Steve Bruce has come in and, and slightly eliminated those those thoughts, but with Valerian Ismail, they grew very, very impatient with. Um, and, and, of course, a team with a very, very large budget. Um, but we set a point off them. And I guess we sit in a very fortunate position compared to to West Brom. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, for us to be almost matching a, a team with the budget and the size of West Brom, you know, former Premier League, it's incredible. Um, and it says everything about where we are that you know we're turning down Luke Freeman because we can't afford it, but we're at the minute we're level with West Brom. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I haven't actually caught any of the West Brom games under Steve Bruce. Um, but I know they've gone back four and they've gone with Carroll as well, um, leading the line, which, you know, it would be a very different West Brom team to the one Valer and Ishmael tried to build in terms of, you know, we know exactly what they were about, which was press, direct, in behind, chase with Grant and Robinson and in a weird way, slightly similar to us as well. Um, but what Steve Bruce does is he get, he gets the he tries to get the best out of the group that he has in front of him. And he'll and he'll try and get the ball into into people like Diangana as much as possible, into Robinson as much as possible. Um, you know, if you've got Andy Carroll, they'll go into Andy Carroll, and and it's quite. I don't know how to describe it. We're quite kind of functional. Um, just get get the best out of what's in front of you and find a way to do it, rather than being a bit like Ishmael, where you know he'll have an idea, a football idea, and then implement that on who's there. Um, so it'll be interesting. But for us to be matching West Brom and going into a game like them, thinking about the playoffs. Um, and how, what a big game it is for us with West Brom to get into the playoffs. Just, wow, says everything, really. It's interesting there what you say, Dylan, about West Brom under Valerian Ishmael. They, they become very, very predictable and I guess very, very easy to plan against in, in terms of they, they never really varied their game style. And I, I guess um, in, in terms of their formation, how they set up, that it, it was about how they... Um, it's about how they set up. They didn't really give too much regard to the opposition. It was about implementing his game style, and, and that was it. Uh, something that that helped, well, well, grew frustrations within the West Brom fan base was that lack of uh, lack of alternate direction. I guess it was it was one way or, or no way. I guess with Steve Bruce, it, it, 
he adds that sort of surprise uh, adds an element of surprise in terms of how they're going to set up and you know they operated before at the back but they won't be restricted to to that I feel like Ishmael fell into the same trap that Nathan Jones did, uh, did at Stoke where it, it's my way or the highway like I'm, I'm going to play my football and other teams have to try and stop that and obviously he, he fell a bit short just, just like Nathan did so I think um, tactically it's harder to, to I guess judge how Bruce is going to get them playing against us whereas Ishmael you knew it was going to be back three front three they're going to get it forward at every every opportunity and you've, you've got to try and defend the first and second balls whereas Steve Bruce is going to be a bit more I think um, diverse in the way that he plays um, so yeah it's going to be an, an interesting game I, I wouldn't think that a uh, I guess Andy Carroll up top and a Steve Bruce man inside is is what I would be seeing this season. But no, it's interesting. Better than a Lee Bow your side and a Lyle Taylor. Taylor <laughs> yeah, I promise. That's, that's all the Birmingham board gone now. <laughs> um, what I will say is six points from nine games coming into the game. I guess looking at that um, in isolation, it looks like a perfect time to play West Brom. But at the same time, they, they're under a new manager. Steve Bruce is now at the helm. They've had a couple of difficult games in his, his first uh, two games in charge. There there seems to be a slight improvement in, in, in terms of performances so far. What would you say, Stephen? Do you, do you find this as a good time to play him purely on the statistics or do you think that, that Steve Bruce coming in is going to be a difficult test no matter what? It's going to be difficult no matter what. And I personally argue that it's a bad time to play them because... Obviously, the players are playing for something now. They've got to get themselves back into the top six. It's the expectations that they've that they've got, and the fans have got, and well, the club as a whole have got. And um, that's that's going to be Steve Bruce's job. And Andy Carroll's come in as well, um, and he's not playing too bad. Like I watched the um, the game against Blackburn the other night, um, and. They West Brom didn't look bad at all. Blackburn are in a bit of a lull, but West Brom really didn't look bad. And um, I'm I'm not worried, but I I am a little bit concerned about how we might do. But it's a positive that it's on our turf, in our little our lovely little stadium. And I, as I said, I'm concerned, but I'm quite confident that we can. Gate crash, Steve Bruce's, or well, you know, not gate crash's party, but you know, kind of keep them at bay. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, very interesting what you say there um, about Andy Carroll because, of course, had a really, really good productive spell with Reading, took a massive pay drop just to get back playing football, and seemingly earned a, a move to a club fighting for the playoffs. Um, I think we can identify him as a threat. But going on to the rest of the side, I know Alex Mowat has given us problems in the past. Yeah, I was going to say, Alex Mowat playing the balls to Andy Carroll is going to be something that they probably utilise for the rest of the season. And so that could be a real danger for us. Certainly. And looking back at the, the return fixture, if I remember rightly... Darnell Furlong's long throws gave us a, a fair bit of trouble. So again, I, that, that's another avenue. Furlong as a fullback, uh, as a wingback, sorry, hasn't been as as good as we've come to expect from him. Um, but still, a, a, a 
wing back that plays relatively high. I think um, I don't know left wing back at the moment. I don't know if if kind of Townsend still operating left back. Sorry, now they've gone to a back four. Sorry, but I, I don't know because he he played some of the season at centre back. So I imagine if they've gone back to a he played there one one day, mate. Yeah, yeah. So again, another attacking fullback that that obviously has a lot of ability on the ball. Um, I guess when you look at their squad, it is a team full of talent. It's, it's just they haven't been clicking. And um, I guess it's now up to Bruce to to fire, uh, to to get them back to the sort of upward trajectory that they were on at the start of the campaign. Um, looking in on that, from what you from what you expect from the, the rest of the season, do you consider themselves, do you consider them, sorry, as top six contenders? I think you've always got to consider... A, a team that have those sort of players that they could at, at any moment turn it on. Um, but I would say at, at this stage, probably like us, an outsider, I think you look at Notts Forest, you look at Middlesbrough, who are currently like on, on hot form. Even Sheffield United are starting to turn it around. So I think, yeah, I mean, they, they could they could make top six. There's, there's absolutely no way I'm going to rule them out, but they're definitely an outsider. And then we'll go on to a little bit about how we'll set up and, and what you expect from us. Do you reckon, again, this is sort of 5-3-2 formation with, with players that, you know, don't free midfielders that perhaps don't have the attacking edge as, as Luke Berry and, and um, Jordan Clark? I don't know about their fitness. I guess we'll have to wait and see if they might be available soon. But... Could you see us going with the same operate as the same way we operate, or, or can you see a, a change from a stylistic point of view, or a change from a tactical point of view? Definitely not from a stylistic point of view, because that's we, we play how we do, um, and I don't think we'll change from a tactical point of view. Or, you know, I think it's important not to overreact to one defeat. We've been on an amazing run and probably put ourselves in the best position we've been in for what ten, twelve years. Um, so you know we we won't change much, and I think I, I think one poor performance can almost be forgiven. Um, it, such is the nature of of the league that it's going it's football. It's going to happen. We're going to have a bad game, um, but on the whole, we're doing really well. So there's no need to to tear anything up and start again. We could really do with a Clark or a Berry. I think, especially with Elijah and and Adebayo back in the team, stretching teams, running in behind with you know they're their most athletic front two that we've got. Um, and we could just do that little option in the pocket and Clark or Barry, you could just receive in there. Um, but if they're not available, then to be honest, I wouldn't change much. Um, obviously, it depends on availability in the back three as well. If Bradley's back, that would be amazing, especially with Carroll. Um, I wouldn't go with Osho at all um, just because of Carroll. And and so to be honest, yeah, that if Bradley isn't available, then that back three will probably stay the same as well because we know these are players who have done really well for us this season. And there's no need to to overreact too much um, after after one poor defeat, and then a Tuesday night where we were a little bit off it definitely um, against Barnsley. So I don't think much will change. Um, there's no need to do that. Um, there's no need to really be concerned. If or Clark or Barry are back in, then that gives us something to think about. But even then, I think we'll probably go Lansbury, Pelly, Campbell, um, because West Brom are obviously a very 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 good team in terms of the players they've got with Ma, with Malumbi, with Grant and Robinson. Yeah, as you say, you could probably reel off the, the whole squad there because on paper they are very good players. Um, of course, just been in the Premier League as well. So, of course, they're going to be a squad full of talent. 
brings us on to the score predictions and I'll come to you first, Stephen. 1-1. One, one. Jamie? Uh, I'm on the fence. I'll go 2-1 Luton. Like to hear it. And Dylan? Uh, I'll go 1-0 Luton. I'm going to join Stephen at 1-0. Um, yeah, I can, I can see a, a tightly contested game, but yeah. Pessimists we are. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But at the same time, we're the pessimists and we're predicting a one-all draw against West Brom. I think that, again, shows that we've come on leaps and bounds. But we'll quickly go on slightly, uh, take a slight look, sorry, um, at Stoke away. Because, again, another big game in the context of things. And if we can return six points by the time we, we next record a podcast, I'd be... A very, very happy man. But um, yeah, just looking a little bit at Stoke. Um, good business in January. Been played with injuries all season, but you know that they're reaching a level again where they they look like they want to beat Luton again, as it so often happens. Yeah, I, I think Nathan would give his left arm for for, for win next next Wednesday, wouldn't he? I think he he, he really wants to beat Stoke. Um, but no, tough game. Got some really good forward players. Um, yeah, I mean, Stoke away has always been tough since I returned to to the champ. Um, so, looking forward to it, but tough game. Talk of bogey teams, hey? I mean, I think I was, I'm was. i actually writing something on bogey teams at the minute. And uh, we haven't beaten them since, the tur- since 2000. Uh, last three meetings with them have been an aggregate score of 6-0. And I think... I think they've beaten us in 14 of the last 19 games we played against them with five draws. So, you know, we just had Birmingham. We think they're a bogey team. I think Stoke, forget all the Nathan Jones stuff. And, you know, oh, since then we haven't beat them. Stoke are our bogey team at the minute by a long, long Way time. to lighten the mood, Dylan. Yeah, cheers, mate. I was going to drive to that one, but I might not now. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Cardiff? Cardiff on that that same yeah. level as well. I imagine they Yeah, are. you could probably say Cardiff as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't like these bogey teams. It's yeah. They're getting to a point now because they are so much these bogey teams that you look at the start of the season, you think, when are we playing these these sides? I think you can probably throw QPR onto that as well. Yeah. Does I just don't like thinking about it. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll look at about Stoke again. I think um what I said before they're, they're been suffering with injuries all season, so much so that their original back three of, of Harry Sutar, Leo Ostergaard, I know Leo Ostergaard's been been moved on, but and then Ben Wilmot, none of them are starting in the current back three or, or back two, or if they play a solid back four. Ben Wilmot's been shifted out to, to right back. Um, Harry Sutar, of course, injured. And as I said, ostergaard gone. Jaggy Elka and Harwood Bellis coming in. So a lot of change going on. You think Lewis Baker coming in, as well, as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of change going on at, at Stoke. It's got to make sure Nick Powell doesn't score again because he always seems to score against us. Um, but yeah, like Josh Madger, great signing. You know, I love. Um, I'm a big fan of Jacob Brown as well. I think he's really, really, really good player. Um, so they've got a really decent, um, decent front three. That experience from Phil Jagielka again. You know, he's. I don't know how old he is, but he's he's coming to the end of his career and still playing in the championship. Says everything. Um, so they're they're a very good team, and um, 
I know I, I reeled off all those stats about how, you know, they're a bogey team, but it just gives us even more of a reason to beat them, to be honest. And if there was going to be a time where we were going to beat them, it's now because, you know, we, we're looking at the playoffs a little bit and thinking, oh, we could do it. So this is the one that really, really matters. Um, and, and bad runs are there to be broken, in my opinion. So um, so there we go. It just, just gives us that little more reason to, to go for it and, and try and get that win. There you go. You've changed Jamie's mind completely now. You, you stopped him from driving to Stoke and now, now he's thinking about where he's getting his petrol. Um, we'll go on to the score predictions for this game. I, I wonder if we can be as optimistic, I guess, as, as the West Brom ones. Um, Stephen, I'll come to you first, mate. Uh, part of me just wants to go 3-0 Stoke, but... You know what? I'm just going to go for a 1-0 Luton. 1-0 Luton win. And Jamie, what about you, mate? I very often back a Luton win in, in the in the Luton News score prediction league, but I just can't finish one, I don't think. I'll, I'll go 2-0 Stoke. That is damaging. What about you, Dylan? Since I ended on an optimistic note, I think I'll go 1-1. I'll, I'll go 1-1. One, one. So one one for West Brom is pessimistic, but one one for Stokes is optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some boundaries here, don't we? We need some boundaries. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm sorry to copy Stephen again, but I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna. We're gonna nick a one nil at Stoke, as Dylan says. Records are there to be broken, and I would love it. You optimist. We... Yes. Hop in, hop in the car with me and Jamie, then, and join us. I was I was thinking about it. I'll I'll, I'll keep you boys updated. I'll um, definitely, really? definitely thinking about it. Well, that is all we have time for today. A big thank you to the three of you for joining. We will hopefully be back with six points. I know that's quite optimistic at this stage, but we'd love to be six points ahead when we bring you our next podcast next week. Um, also, a, a reminder that Rory Bryant won our February ticket giveaway for our Clash Against um, Derby on the 26th of February. So if you do want free tickets and you do want to enter our March giveaway, keep an eye out on our Twitter, which is at Oak Road Hatter, and our Instagram, which is Oak Road Hatter Pod. And yes, we will get something out as, as soon as March starts with our next giveaway. Um, until then... Goodbye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.